spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label. hi guys and the end spoken label back in the house on zoom again today i are off to a lovely city today i've been chatting to a lovely lady from there at all cara shuttleworth and she lives over in san francisco at the moment and, no, no, correction, Richard from San Francisco, now living in eastern Washington, as you'll correctly tell me. <laughs> I'm getting mixed up here today. I thought I could start. <laughs> Kyra, seriously, introduce yourself to everybody. Tell them, obviously, who you are, where you come from originally, and what started you off your creativity. You've done a lot of travelling as well, so I want to ask you about that today as well. Okay. Um, I'm Kira Shuttleworth. I come from a family of writers. Um, My father is a poet, playwright, and he dabbles in other things. And as he's getting older, he has become a painter. (laughs) I've taught him some things about painting and he's gone from there and made it his his new life ambition. Um, I grew up, well, I was born in San Francisco and lived there again in my 20s, but I grew up in Nebraska and Nevada and Poetry has always been part of my life. Um, We had poets in and out of our house since I was a kid. And that was very influential, um, just listening to how they used language. And I grew up without a television. And (laughs) so books were very important. Writing was very important. going to poetry readings in addition to having poets come by the house, all of those things were just a given. And so I actually went to art school (laughs) rather than, I did not want to become a poet. I would do anything to not be a poet. And so um, my liberal arts degree is in uh, art studio. And then I went to San Francisco Art Institute for my second degree. Um, which is in painting and drawing. And so I think it was probably about a year after I finished art school that I was getting ready to apply for grad school for art. And I was doing so much writing while in my painting studio that 
I thought, you know, I need to just give this a try. Like I'm more into the writing and I had actually a novel in progress too, that will never get finished. Um, but I was about 50 pages in. And so I submitted, um, to some schools I submitted for fiction and to some schools I submitted for poetry based on who the faculty were at the time. And, um, I accepted university of Idaho. Um, they did not give me the best financial offer of the schools where I was accepted, but I really wanted to study with Bob Wrigley. And I'm so glad that I did because to this day, he's still a mentor. Um, but he, I wrote very lyrically before, and I knew that I wanted to write more narratively. And so he was able to help me um, mesh the two and um, become the writer that I am today. Brilliant. And I'm always a believer in writing. It's a journey itself anyway. Like we mentioned about your novel, before that's never going to complete it. I know I've got at least two knocking around that at the best has forgot about, but I think it, everything leads in that direction, doesn't it? So I think you have to learn sometimes, right, have to write bad before you can write good sometimes. Well, dialogue is incredibly difficult to write. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or to write well, I should say, to write well. My younger sister is in film and television and she has a knack for dialogue. My dad has always had a knack for dialogue. Oh, wow. But, but me... <laughs> I'm, I, I'm shit at writing dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's fantastic. I didn't know you obviously got your sister that in TV as well. So that the creativity runs in your family and really does, doesn't it? So, Well, do my it. mother is, my mother is an epic letter writer. She is probably the best letter writer of all time. I feel like she could have gone into writing had she wanted to. I remember actually <laughs> when I switched over to the art major, I was going to be a FIAD health ed major in college initially. And I switched over my sophomore year to art. And my mother's reaction was, oh, no, you have the affliction. And <laughs> my dad, of course, was ecstatic. And, and but my mom wasn't surprised when, I mean, my brother went to grad school for poetry until he was kicked out for not going to class. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's what you term as your brother. And I, was, I don't know your brother. Your brother's probably more interested in getting the experience of it rather than after writing it. I know poets like that. Well, the professors, they finally said to him, look, whenever you're ready to write, you obviously know how to. You do it very well. You've been published. You have all the stories. You have the life experience. You have all these things that so many MFA students don't have. So when you're ready to do it, you do it. But we can't have you here if you aren't coming to class. <laughs> so... It is what it is. Yeah, true. Well, now, listen, we're here to talk about you anyway, of course. Okay. Now, if people obviously want to research you, you have done, obviously, a, a collection for the current collection we're going to talk about. And I'm going to let, we'll talk about that in a moment, but there's plenty about you. I've done a couple of bits and pieces. I want to talk first of all about your first project, then, which was Night Holds Its Own from Blue Horse Press. Now, where did this book come from then, or collection come from then? Um, Jeff and Toby Alfier, they have San Pedro River Review, and they have published, oh man, so many of my poems. 
And so I had just gotten done with the Kerouac House residency and they said, we'd love to do a chat book. And I said, oh my goodness, that would be amazing. They were so incredible to work with. Um, actually in Rabbit Heart, my new collection, I thank them as my poetry, God, my poetry godparents because they are so exceptional. They support so many young writers Older ones too, new, famous, not famous. Um, they're just so devoted um, to poetry and to the poetry community. It's just really phenomenal. And so they worked with me um, to make Night Holds, Holds Its Own as um, the best that I could create as a chat book at that time. Um, did you have specific questions about it? Uh, no, I just wanted to know like, about the journey of it and how did it compare to what you wrote later on then? Well, some of the poems in Night Holds Its Own are in the current collection, Rabbit Heart. Um, so Night Holds Its Own is very much so a precursor as many people's first chat books and first books, it, it kind of coincides that way. Um, but Night Holds Its Own was really, it was really a fun experience. And um, I was actually on a writer's retreat in Neatarts, Oregon, when I got the, um, the proof copy of it. So they sent the proof copy there, we made some final changes, and then it went out into the world. Um, but in terms of the process, um, they made it so easy and they let me decide my cover and which is a photo that I took. Um, oh man, we spent four hours doing photos uh, for potential photos for the cover. <laughs> and wow. so that was part of the process. Yeah, that was part of the process. Um, and the woman on the cover, it was actually pretty chilly and I had her in this little white dress <laughs> and she oh, put wow. up with it hours and we would just bundle her up when we um you know got her back in the car to drive to the next location so i don't know from beginning to finish it was a super fun fun process how long did it take to do the first collection then was it quite a quite quick collection to write was it at the time rabbit heart or yeah, no no the first one the first one Oh, Night Holds Its Own? Yeah, Night Holds I'm sorry, I'm getting mixed up here. <laughs> um, you know, that's difficult to say. The, um, let me look at the... So the oldest poem in it... So a number of the poems started in um, the summer of 2000. So Independence Day, um, I started that poem in the, the summer of 2000. So... When I got to grad school, I had all these bits and pieces that I ended up making into um, complete poems. And so Night Holds Its Own as a collection, the most recent, let me just scan through it really quick. Um, all of them, all of them actually, aside from three, no, two, aside from two, all of them were written in grad school. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So, so you mean that's, mm -hmm. yeah, different times indeed yeah. then. So brilliant. Okay. Now moving on then, obviously I want to, obviously um, you've done another collection after that and 
I don't want to touch on this loads because it's out of print now. But you told me, I want to hear people hear the story of 4,500 miles taking Jack back on the road from you know, where you did that collection that followed. It's an incredible story. Now, people uh, should hear the story and do a campaign to get this book back in print again. <laughs> well, 4,500 miles taking Jack back on the road started as a joke because... Um, the night, two nights before I left the Kerouac house, I had some of my favorite people over for a final dinner. I made like four or five lasagnas and big salad. And we sat out in the yard and we just had a great time. And um, one of my friends, Danielle, jokingly said, oh, you should make a flat Jack, like flat Stanley to take on the road and take pictures with him as you travel. And so I was two days into that and I was posting it to my Instagram and uh, Chris Weatherholt from Humanitas Media reached out to me and said, I would like to do a book of this. And I said, oh my goodness, this is really exciting. And had she not done that, I probably would have stopped doing the flatjack pictures about three days in. So it really became a thing. And every, like everywhere I stopped, you know, whether I was staying at a hotel or staying with a friend, um, I would pull out, I had two flat Jack, um, paper dolls that actually I still have them somewhere. I've refused to throw them away. Um, but so <laughs> when I got, when I finally landed after that 4,500 mile road trip across the country, um, I then had to sit down and spend the next month actually writing the content for the book, writing the copy for it. And that was a lot of fun because I'd already learned so much about Jack Kerouac while doing the Kerouac House residency. But um, I had to do a lot more. And so after a month, I sent it to Chris and we did some edits and we got it out. And it's such an expensive hardcover that it was a very limited run and what's out there is out there <laughs> unless we're able to find uh, a more inexpensive way to to print it because it's a beautiful beautiful book and it's rather hilarious but um because i had to try and take on his voice when he was talking and so, <laughs> yeah. so that was intense um but unless we're able to find a way to have it printed, still hardcover, still with the, the beautiful format that it has and be able to charge less than a hundred dollars. I mean, this should be a $40 book, not a hundred dollar book. And so um, that's been, that's been the struggle and why it hasn't been reprinted since, um, since it went out of print. Yeah. It's understandable. So that's all price. It's very, very hard to bring back into print. But anyway, Check it out, people. Someone give her the money to get it reprinted. A couple of thousand dollars. I'm sure you will say no to it. Let you reprint it. <laughs> Definitely so. Well, it would have to be through a press. Yeah, you know, of course, through a press. Yeah. yeah. Good independent press. Get in contact with her. Definitely, right? So it looks, <laughs> yeah, it looks a fantastic book, honestly. We'll have to see in it now. So, But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We've digressed a lot, and I get used to that with me. So we're here today to talk about your new collection, Rabbit Heart which I was reading, obviously been reading over the past week to when we agreed to do this session, which is a fantastic book. So tell Thank us about you. tell us about Rabbit Heart then. Where did all this come from originally? Because it's one of the most intense books I've read in a long time of poetry. 
I'll take that as a compliment. And it is a compliment because it's fantastic rope. <laughs> you can tell it's something like when you read books, it's not a book that's been knocked together in a couple of months. You see it immediately. That felt like it was a life story to me to write that, to you to write that book. Well, Rabbit Heart, so Stephen F. Austin State University Press, um, Kimberly Verhines is the press director, and she contacted me um, just over a year ago. And so it took... I think only about 11, 10 or 11 months for her to actually publish the book from start to finish, from, from offer to publication took less than a year, which is pretty incredible. And, um, the oldest poem in the book, um, is one that is in night holds its own that, like I said, it started in Chicago in the summer of 2000. Um, and the newest one was written, um, actually after I got the offer she let me switch out five poems last minute I said you know what I've got these five newer ones and (laughs) they're just they're a lot stronger and so the process of that book that was a lot of fun too because she is she is so whip smart she is so great And um, like there was one poem, we were talking about edits and there was one poem I said to her, can I just rewrite the entire ending of this? I said, can I remove the entire last stanza and rewrite the stanza prior? I said, because it's really a shit stanza. And she was like, yeah, it sort of is. So, um, So she allowed for that. And again, I had a lot of say in my cover. And so the cover painting, I actually own the cover painting. Um, a friend of mine, Marcin Frankoviak, uh, we went to graduate school to get, or not graduate school. We went to art school together at San Francisco Art Institute. And <clears throat> she is one of the, she might still be the only wall dog. A wall dog is, uh, the wall dogs are the people who uh, paint the photorealistic advertisements on the sides of buildings. So she does that for a living, which is just incredible and dangerous and <laughs> oh amazing. God, yeah. Respect so, her but, for that. That's an incredible job. That. Yeah. Yeah. But she's an incredible artist in her own right on canvas as well. And so it had been my dream. I was like, my first book, you have to paint the cover. And so her husband, Jimmy Dean Horn is a designer and he is also incredible. They're such a dynamic duo and he designed the cover. She painted it and then he did the final design layout. Um, So that, that was really, really nice um, to have that happen. It's, um, Getting the blurbs was fun. I didn't have a single person that I asked um, turn me down. And so I ended up with more blurbs than would fit on the back page. Yeah. If you and look, people look at your, the blurb, the press release, it's like an incredible amount of blurbs on it. They're amazing. <laughs> well, what Kimberly said is she said, you know, a lot of people are doing interior blurbs yeah. now too. And so she said, we'll put a few on the back and then we'll put the rest on the inside. And so that's what we did. And I'm sure I forgot to thank some people in my acknowledgements, but so it goes. It, it happens, as I always say, doesn't it? But you can apologize later, definitely. So now, <laughs> okay, I need to, we obviously talk about where, the, con, where the, the content of the book came from. So first of all then, why Rabbit Heart as a title? 
Well, rabbit heart, um, the way I see that as a, as a phrase is um, somebody who's, who's gun shy, somebody who runs away easily. And this book is very much about limerence, being in love with being in love, the in, inability to stay, but loving that those, the, those blushes of, of um, lust and those first feelings of being in love. And so this book really revolves around love, loss and limerence. Yeah, you can say it straight away because it is a real, real story in itself. In itself is told in the poems. I've seen that to less novels. I've seen novels told less well on this and covering the similar sort of feels what you've done because it's they're all snapshots of a, a singular narrative to me. And I love the way it's told in the books. Each one's adding a different layer to the characters as the story develops straight away. So well, thank you. And you know, I really took um when building a collection, um, so my second manuscript that hopefully will be picked up and published soon is very cut and dry um, how it is formatted because it could be seen as one long poem. It's a memoir and lyric. But this book, this collection, Rabbit Heart, I thought about it as remember when we used to I'm totally aging myself here but remember when we used to make mixed CDs oh god I used to do mixed tapes for me I'm a generation before you so oh no 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 no! I did mixed tapes too I just oh, wasn't aged myself that far but with mixed <laughs> I'm CDs, not bothered <laughs> I spent I spent I would spend so much time like thinking about like Okay, so like there's a formula to making a great mixed CD. Like you come in with, you know, something that's really going to hook you and then you you bring it up to a certain level and then you've got to bring it back down and have it be calm for a bit before bringing it back up at the end before the crescendo, right? So that's what I tried to do with Rabbit Heart is to, you know, I literally laid out all the poems on the floor and thank goodness I have a large painting studio in order to do this, but I laid them all out on the floor and, you know, spent weeks just arranging and rearranging to make certain it was in an order that I felt was like a mixed CD. <laughs> I'm going for that myself at the moment because I've got a book on the way myself and I've got about 50 poems wrote for it so far. And I'm gonna have exactly the same problem you are gonna say coming to my Are home. you gonna are you gonna lay them out on the floor? I'm gonna to have to straight away because it's <laughs> I've got I've got another 20 to write, I reckon, because there's, there's several key points I need to cover. And then I've got to sit down and I get to about 70, maybe 80, and pick out the best 50 or 60. And then there I've got go. then I'll then I'll look for a publisher on it. This has took me years to write because I'm not quick. <laughs> That's for not with this sort of stuff. But you said it's like to get a display you've done in 11 months. You can feel it like you're in a certain mindset for that for that book when you're reading it because it's. Did you find were you writing much other poetry during this point where you was it just focusing on this one book most of the time? Um, no, this is so there were plenty of other poems that were written during that time, um, that just didn't fit the book. And like the five that I said that I removed, um, ultimately I felt that they just didn't fit the book. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, yeah. Now, sometimes you go to that process and you're trying to constantly moving things around as well. So, now, there's one question that I've got to do ask you, actually, as well, and was it came up in the prologue poem. Now, obviously, you've been talking about Jack Cadawack before, and 
And obviously was the quote by Allen Ginsberg and the prologue point from Seven Years in France, San Francisco. What made you want to put that quote at the top of the poem? Oh, because that was, it's an ode to Howell. It's um, written in that fashion. And so it's my, um, my version of Howell for my time in San Francisco. <clears throat> right, that explains why then. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was. It's always like I said, it's, I will ask, I will ask people, that's why I come. Yeah, it's a great piece. Well, and, that, and the prologue is, that's completely, that's an extended metaphor. Yeah, so yeah, no. I didn't actually know a woman named Angel. So that was that was an extended metaphor for people I knew, um, people I hung out with, people I just knew randomly, things that I saw, um, just the entire experience of being in your 20s in San Francisco in that dot-com boom. Yeah, yeah, I got a straight away. It was like it was this point in your life basically as that character's life. Now, there was another poem I want to ask you about as well. I can't find it now, which is typical. There was one of the ones that, um, yeah, that was it there. And what I like about your poem was, it was that the poems themselves are quite short and to the point, most of And I like that sometimes. It makes you revisit them and think about them again, think just to get that and sink in. But there's one of them you did something a bit different with, and that was saying, no, no, I can't read it, no farther west. We did like a couple of short little poems and like a sequence, say four of them. Now, what made you want to do it that way? But that's quite different to where a lot of the rest of the poems are in this book. Oh, to have it sectioned? Yeah, sections like that. Yeah, one, two, three, and four. Um, it just it seemed it seemed to work better for this particular poem. You're right. I don't do that very often. I did that with Seven Years in San Francisco. I've done that with a number of other poems that um, aren't in this book. Um, and with Rabbit Heart, the title poem, um, I do that just not in the same way. I just have the little asterisks in between the sections rather than having it numbered. Um, but I kind of saw them as maybe as different days. Hmm. Um, I remember that that poem started, I was walking across Union Square in San Francisco on my way to the gallery I was working at at the time. And um, I was brokenhearted and <laughs> feeling angsty and the beauty of the city. And it was foggy that morning. And it was just such, such a lovely, it was such a lovely feeling and such a lovely thing, you know, to be brokenhearted on a beautiful foggy morning in San Francisco, heading to my gallery girl job and my four inch heels and probably something black. And um, so it, that poem started there and then um, of course wasn't finished until grad school years later. Um, but the, the spine of that poem, the, you know, the architecture of that poem definitely was written within a week of, of time um, in San Francisco when, when I was probably like 23. <laughs> oh, wow. Just a year or two ago on a base, though. <laughs> yeah, just, just a year or two ago. 
<laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll change topics rapidly now, but brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's pretty well covered all one aspect of the book. Just tell people it's fantastic. You'll, you'll, you will ever be, hang around the second part, you will enjoy hearing this. I thought the, the comparisons you were getting on the front of it, I could see them all where there was a comparison of what, I see bits of Walt Whitman in the book. I saw the Sylvia Plath element in it as well. And also Emily Dickinson bit I saw in it as well. So, but you made it all your own. And that's what's a really, really powerful book to me in this one. It really feels an well, emotional rinser it was. You Can I make an embarrassing yeah. admission? Go for I it. have actually never read Walt Whitman. And like recently, I feel like I need to read Leaves of Grass. But I have never read him because I just assumed that he was another old dead white poet who was writing about like nature and shit and that I wasn't going to be interested. <laughs> and so, so I never, I've never read him aside from, I'm sure like there have been like a poem or two that I've read in a, you know, a collection maybe in college or high school or something. I ended up studying all oh, selected poems of his when I was at uni some years ago. And I was in the same boat as you before we got to that. And they told me we were spending two lessons studying it. And my exact words were, Oh fuck! Got to read the archaic bollocks. <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> Quite enjoyed it actually. I, I preferred Emily Dickinson again the time after mine. A couple of months later, I much preferred her. And I've well, been I mean, I've been reading Sylvia Plath since I was seventeen, so that was a long time ago. Oh, Sylvia Plath is so so good. But Emily Dickinson, I you know I didn't like her when I read her, and so I need to give it another try now that I'm a little older. Now that now that I'm 28. <laughs> For no, the 15th time. Um, no I should, <laughs> um, I should give her another try. Yeah, I think so as well, because I'm always believing in work sometimes. When you try a point out, that's classics, you may hate it at the time, but you weren't in the right mindset for it. And sometimes it's worth trying it again 10, 15 years later, if you get it then. Because I can remember getting bamboozled by Edgar Allan Poe when I was 15. It took me to 40 to understand that, so it's... It's the Oscar Wilde, really. It just is. It is what it is sometimes, I suppose. So, no, I do agree. You know, we'll get but we'll get you back on again then when you read Emily Dickinson. You give us Emily Dickinson, Emily Dickinson <laughs> evaluation. So, <laughs> so anyway, right, okay. A couple of things to conclude with on the chat bit. Obviously, I like to ask writers, and you've been hinting on this already. What you got planned next? Um, well, as I said, I do have a manuscript that just needs some, some revisions, um, but it's called We Smiled for Every Photo. And, um, or maybe it was, maybe it's called We Smiled for All the Pictures. And like I said, it's, it's a memoir in lyric about growing up in rural Nebraska in the 80s. And it really focuses on my mom and the isolation and um, raising four kids and, you know, having and raising four kids. I mean, two of them she had in um, Nebraska <clears throat> and um, the hardships that, and poverty that come with um, having a teacher as a father and uh, my mom, a stay-at-home mom and just making those things work. And, you know, my dad would cowboy in the, in the summer and in the winter, actually he would, you know, break ice on the stock tank on our property that um, we didn't own. We rented this old farmhouse 
And for something like $50 a month, wow, <laughs> crazy. And so the farmer that rented the land, he would run some of his cows there uh, year round. But in the winter, my dad would go every morning and chip ice on the stock tank. And, um, you know, uh, he would help with all the branding and rounding the cattle from one field to another in the summer and buck hay. And, um, and my mother, um, you know, just, just incredible being, being at home. Um, so it's about three different houses, Fairbury, Nebraska, or Fairbury, Norfolk and Windside. And, um, just the different lives she led in each and the different lives we as children, the four of us kids, um, led in those different places and how that kind of childhood affected decisions I made, um, and the way that I view life. So it's an Americana, <laughs> rural America memoir, but it's poems rather than an actual prose memoir. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, good luck. Definitely. So, well, if you get when the book comes out, let's know. But we'll come and have you on again. I'm always Yay. like, I always Thank like bringing the guests on again. I got great women. I know our viewers like as well. So, sounds good to me. Now, obviously, if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? Uh, there's my website, heroshuttleworth.com. And obviously, your books, your book, your new book itself, and. Can that can be found on your website, can it as well? I presume then, is it? It can, yeah. And I'm I'm on Instagram too, as um, I think it's just at Kira Shuttleworth, and that can be that can be a rather entertaining. I was doing a lot of reels before the book came out. I was doing a lot of reels, and they they were hilarious to make because you can't oh, just yeah. shoot a reel and be like, okay, that was good, you know, one take done you have to do several several takes and so <clears throat> doing the reels that that was fun but it became exhausting and so now i'm just doing three posts a week every tuesday thursday and sunday um and have really kind of pared it down and i'm just trying to focus less so before while i was promoting the book before it came out it was very much about the book. And so it was moody and broody and black and white photos and sometimes even black and white reels. And um, I used a friend's Camaro in a lot of the pictures. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so, so that was, that was a lot of fun, but it just became like, it was like, okay, I'm not actually a very moody and broody person most of the time. <laughs> and so I, I've shifted focus and it's, it's, lighter now the color palette actually there is a color palette um and so the instagram that's that's fun as well yeah i like instagram myself because i've always people can find a lot of me putting spoken label up on there i've just put a ton of pictures up today and me and amanda we went for a walk in the woods today near us and we went to anything like a pack called lover's lane and as soon as i put these pictures up i had two or three of my friends that know the woods are and saying oh you've been up lover's lane again you two <laughs> 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 that's why you do it's like it's like it shows the if you don't write this something you can you can do promote your book really well also, but I did put spoken label up now. Because also, people the light side of your life, can't you? And you've I, got I, it. You've got yeah. it. You need. You need to write your lover's lane poem. 
Oh, okay, well, I will. Consider that done and a challenge challenge done, okay? I'll get <laughs> the trouble is I know what my other half's like. If I get her to write a love, love, lover's lane poem, Amanda is a novelist herself, she is and a poet. She probably she has poet po- writes a lot of poems with even men die in it. So I'll probably get my head chopped off on Lover's Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I know what she's like, so brilliant. You okay, can each and- have your own take. Oh, I'll be I'll be the romantic type. She'll be the killing type. I know what we're going to get. So. <laughs> right. Anyway, well, better wrap up this bit here. Anyway, so we're going to. I know we've got to do a few poems for us now. So it's been brilliant this time. I've enjoyed this. So, and I'm looking forward Thank to. Thank you. Poems. I have as well. All right, hang around, guys. Oh, should we right back? See you in a minute. Spoke Hi, guys. Straight still here with Kara. She's going to do four poems for us now. Over to you, my friend. Thank you. This first one is the first one in Ravitart. Loves cartographers. Life work passed hand to hand, each layer built upon the luck or curse of generations before. Secrets held by skin, lips, loins, years in memory faltering before taking up the pen to record the route taken, myth or truth, and a path sought by the next set of hands. Pens barely skimming the surface of the page, each fleeting mark spreading into aged heavy cotton bond, stronger strokes leaving ridges and gashes. When a bead of sweat or tear smudges a line between terrain, the paper lifts in a welt like new land rising through fog. This next one is No Further West. One, Norma Jean Baker, 26 to 62. At the center of a palindrome, there is a mirror. At 18, Norma Jean must have known she was halfway there. She went blonde and gave Marilyn to the world. The mirror she was unable or unwilling to break, reflecting what no one has since talked. Two, how long will my soft skin last? I walk chipped sidewalks and heels, even though I'm only going to the corner market for cigarettes. I listen to the breathy sigh of the muni spark and rumble and sigh again. I did not come this far west in search of gold or a role opposite Clark Gable. Technicolor has been around almost a century, and the only gunslingers still here slink the hills in lowrider Buicks calling, hey baby doll, from behind tinted windows. Three. You're smooth as 30-year-old brandy, and my dress hangs languid off a cocked hip. The street grate blows warmth up my skirt, but I'm always imagining I'm Marilyn Monroe. So I pause, watch the smoke from my cigarette roll around my fingers like a tongue, moon over the latest daisies, love me, love me not. To-do list, buy coffee, return movies, draw a roadmap of his heart, fall out of love. Four, from here, Pacific waves lap the shore and the sky is as blue as Arthur Miller's ghost. There is no farther west. Even a hundred yards east, I sling shade on bridges and trees. If I squint hard enough, I can almost see where you stand at the Atlantic. Colder water, same moon, closer if either of us would turn around. But I'm too afraid to look behind me. Too afraid I'll find the mirror. And you, like Arthur, never wanted to be in California. So I keep busy imagining a silver screen life, flash bulbs, makeup brushes, and a full glass of bubbly, always cold, 
just out of reach. Brilliant, brilliant piece. I'm glad, I'm glad you got you to do that then. So it's, I love all the reference to Marilyn Monroe and it Arthur Miller. So it gives it that sort of otherworldness to me. And that's excellent. So Thank you. Okay, I know you're going to move on now, aren't you? So do something, I'd say in England, something completely different. So next is the prologue from Seven Years in San Francisco, which is the epic ode to Howell <clears throat> about my time in San Francisco. Angel said she'd switch her AMs to PMs if I would sleep in her skin for one night, pull black pull back the black and blues, the track lines, leave her red muscle and bulging eyes, therefore invisible, so she can become someone with a real name again. She's tearing down Maiden Lane, barefoot cursing fog that won't give her rain, but she's let go of the reins to this life, nose spurting blood and yelling, if I can't get a fix, I don't even want this blood. I'm imagining peeling her skin over mine at dusk, drowning her like an ocean. I won't sleep tonight with the moon singing up to the wrong constellations. She's shaking her fist at stars that never saw a wish through, never gave her anything but their dim-witted winks, like the Johns who stick greasy ones in her G-string, think it's funny to snap the strap. She's got welts I salve every night with ointment I liberate from the pharmacy with the foundation she uses to cover the tracks and the shower to shower that masks the chlorine smell from bathing in civic center's fountain before work. She doesn't sleep anymore, but if she doesn't try, when is she going to dream? I try to help her remember how, nectarines in summer, nights sleeping in the dunes, solid ground before pavement. Because her skin is fitting a little too well and I'm wondering if I can make it out in time, her body like napalm. So I'm racing down Maiden Lane and I can't find my shoes. But if we run fast enough, she says God will give us wings. Wow, wow, yeah, that's really, yeah, I could understand with that because People obviously wouldn't know this, but it's it's one of those sort of pieces, and I can see it in Carrie. She looks absolutely exhausted reading that piece. So, yeah. That oh my god, like... it slays me every time. <laughs> yeah, it was slaying when me. I have to, when I have to read the whole thing, I'm just like, I feel like I've run a marathon by the end of it. <laughs> poetry is, is you find, don't you? Like poetry for me is mental exercise, and if it's a poem that's took you on a massive epic journey, that piece has. By the end of it, you're absolutely exhausted. I've done that poems before now. Well, there are some poems that you, you know, every time you read them, you're reliving it, you're, or a portion of it, or the emotions from, from that. And so I think that that's the exhausting part, is just reliving those emotions. Yeah, no, straight away with that. So definitely. I think your next book should be a comedy book anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's the Farmhouses book, it's definitely not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> book, book after them, right? Definitely then, right? <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. <laughs> okay. I know, obviously, we'll do one more piece to conclude with now, definitely. So. All right. So Rabbit Heart is the final, actually, it's the second to last, the penultimate poem in the book and the title poem, Rabbit Heart. Desire is unfinished kisses, 
my rabbit heart skittering into the brush at the gunshot of lips smacking apart. Stop pulling so hard if you want me closer. Listen to the waves, come here, go away. I hear them even when I sleep, even when landbound between buttes and sage. I hear water in the highway beneath me. I always run. Sometimes I return. If love is a fire stoked and stoked, you'll finally have to walk away someplace colder and alone to regroup, to want that kind of heat again. Let me teach you another way to hunt, a way to finish a kiss without knowing if there will be another. When the wind blows, I feel wings I cannot have, feel the down of each feather unsettle, ready. Excellent. Fantastic way of finishing up there, Kyra. Then really that piece. At least like people will know this sometimes some poems or sessions are more harder to do than others. And we've got we've got we've got there today. It's been a pleasure. Man. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, thank you again for today. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed this today. It's been excellent. I have to read. Thank you so much. And as I said before, keep in touch. We want to get you on there again when the next book's out, definitely. So I've no problem with that. Now Hang around. I need to speak to you off mic anyway today. So quite a few bits and pieces before we conclude. But thank you again. Thank you. And stay as Don Callis says over at Impact Wrestling, guys and girls, stay safe and stay over. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Spoken later.